0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson. I'm the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, I hope that you are well. I hope this finds you well. And thank you for making the show part of your commute or your dog walk or your listening with one headphone in while you're at work because your boss isn't there. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how you're doing this. But uh, no matter how it is, I hope that you enjoy it and uh, hope it is worth your time. And I think it it will be. Um, Coming off of this weekend, we got three points against the West Brom side that we would expect to beat. Um, but that we also knew would put plenty of men behind the ball and try to frustrate us and, and get a goal on the counter. maybe uh, they came to play for a point and unfortunately for them they left with with zero. but it was going to be a frustrating evening uh, for us, for the fans. And I think for large parts it really was reading some of the comments, uh, looking at, uh, at some of the other things, looking listening to some of their commentators talk about the match. You wonder why Sky chose this match to to televise, but hey they did. And and there it is, and I think that just exposed more people to uh, to what Buffal can do. And luckily for us, he decided to to do that, and and he finally got a chance to to do it. Obviously late on, um, obviously not getting the start uh, that he feels he deserved. I think. Uh, and that many of the fans have, have hoped that he would get soon, if not last game against West Brom that he will get maybe soon in the future. Cause, uh, we are lacking that creative side. And that was one of those things that we weren't sure if we were going to be able to break down West Brom because we've struggled to do that so much, but this match, we finally were able to do it. Uh, Bufal did his part, uh, to, to make that happen. And, um, you know, we walk out with a one, no win and three points up to 10th in the table. Um, and, and I think some momentum, hopefully that we can carry forward. So, um, this week I spoke with Owen Haas, Owen runs the Owen, the saints blog. You can find that online at Owen, the saints blog.wordpress.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Owen underscore the saints. And Owen was kind enough to join me. Taking time out from uh, vlogging for ninety minute football, uh, taking time away from his studies and uh, you know his family and everything else to uh, to talk with me for uh, well over an hour. Uh, by the time we were done, uh, about the match about about vlogging about blogging about all these things and um it's always interesting to hear how people express their passion for the club and and what it kind of propels them to do and the new experiences that 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 brings on both in terms of how they watch the team how they experience the matches and how they express uh their passion for the club i think is 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 exciting because uh, obviously doing the doing the the podcast that is that is one of those things that i do and, uh, I think it, I, th- I think it's great. So, uh, we'll talk with Owen about all of that. West Brom included Buffalo we'll goal, of course. But before we do that, uh, I want to point you in the direction of the, we are Southampton page on Instagram for match day edits, polls, competitions, and more. Be sure to check out. We are Southampton on Instagram. Matt, who runs the page, uh, has been very influential in this sh- helping this show. He's done the artwork for this show. He's been a guest on the show. Uh, he's helped me out a lot. And so please head over to, we are Southampton on Instagram and check it out. And with that stuff being said, let's go ahead and move uh, into the interview with Owen. Once again, this is Owen Haas. You can find him on Twitter at Owen underscore the Saints, and you can get his blog at Owen the Saints blog dot wordpress dot com. So here's my conversation with Owen uh day after we played West Brom and walked out with three points. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Owen Haas. Owen runs the Owen the Saints blog. Uh, you can find that at Saints owenthesaintsblog.wordpress.com. And you can find him on Twitter at Owen underscore the Saints. Owen, I know you do a lot of work, not just on the blog, but uh, for a couple other outlets, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, but welcome to the show, and thank you for making time to, to join me.
1: Well, thanks for having
0: me. I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I remember seeing the, the blog kind of show up and then I remember seeing it at the beginning of this season, and I think I was just like, "Oh, that's new and that's different." And then let's let's uh, let's see where this goes. And then now, a few months later, here we are. So thank you. Normally, we start by just kind of getting to know you a little bit because I, other than the few Twitter messages we've had kind of back and forth, I, I don't really know that much. So I, I guess how long have you been a fan of of the Saints, and did you grow up in in the area?
1: Uh, I've always been a fan of the club. I've always followed the results thanks to my dad and growing up in the area. I mean, I never really got to that many games when I was younger. And then when I got to college, because I'm a a drama student, I I didn't really sort of fit in with the lads. But I found a group of mates and they all were into football. And so I got into it and it was about the time when it was Kuman's first season. And that's when I really got into it. And obviously we were successful. So some people would say maybe I'm a Tim Paul Plastic fan, but I know that if we went back down to the championship now that I would stick with us and continue writing about us because I just, I, I find that there's a link now between sort of theatre and performance and football with there's a crowd watching on expecting their performance. I, I find it fascinating. I, I
0: guess on that note, when you show up, do you think that people want to be entertained, you know, or do you think they want us like like if we played kind of Jose Mourinho style football where we parked the bus and, and won one nil, would people be happy? Or do you think more it's more about kind of the players going out and attacking and kind of entertaining
1: the fans? I think it's definitely about entertaining the fans. And I think last season proved that because last season us getting eighth into a cup final and yet still sucking our manager because of the way we played football. I think everyone just wants to be entertained. It's that escape in the week for two hours when we can just go and have some fun, have some excitement. And Okay, so you could be pragmatic and get results, but where's the fun in seeing sideways football and trying to nick a goal here and there when it's so much more exciting? And you get more involved when the team are really putting energy in and really going for it. Uh, otherwise, we just support West Brom, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> sorry, that was probably too early in a low blow. So I apologize. Um, so so you grew up in the area when you w- went to college and and your mates and stuff started going to, to matches and things like that. Did you buy a season ticket or was it just uh, a few games here and there whenever you could? Because obviously, uh, usually college, university, different different
1: budget situations. Oh yeah, my budget has always been not the best, but I was very actually fortunate because my best mate. His mum worked at the training ground, and he she got given two free season tickets. So he, I was able to go to quite a lot of games with him. Okay. And then I I went to a lot of cup games as well.
0: Do you, do you find that the cup games have a bit of a dip, different atmosphere than maybe a Premier League game, like maybe against against a West Brom or a Middlesbrough?
1: Yeah, I mean, most of the time the crowds are a lot less. But I'd say they're the sort of hardcore fans So the atmosphere around the stadium. I would say it's better for cup games than because we know that there's a, a chance that we can get to a cup final, maybe win. So we really want the team to go on and really give it a go. Whereas sometimes in the Premier League, it could be full of tourists just wanting to watch, say, Man United when they visit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some games in the Premier League can be quite dull just because of who we're playing against and i think the atmosphere therefore can suffer whereas cup games we know we can get something out of it and progress if we do well
0: yeah yeah all right
1: now do you have a favorite
0: stand to sit in i don't know how many different places around the ground you've sat but do you have a a particular area that you
1: prefer to sit in versus over some others i used to enjoy when i was younger sitting in this the sort of itching corner chapel stand um because I wasn't really sort of a loud person. I like to sit and more analyze the game. Um, but now now that I've got to uh, vlog the videos for 19 minutes, I'm, now I'm sitting in northern stand every game, well, standing. The atmosphere is just so much better. You get involved more. It's just so much more exciting, even when it's a dull game, having that atmosphere around you. And I think we do sort of need that atmosphere to go further around the stadium than in one milk corner.
0: Right, right. And, and that way, you're fairly close to the away fans, correct? yes all right uh when you are are there do you find yourself like hearing what they're saying and then kind of everybody responding to that or is it does that happen
1: as soon as the away fans make noise then we just try and sort of drown them out okay I mean, yesterday west brom fans were silent they were some of the worst traveling fans i've seen uh-oh not a whole lot to cheer about from their perspective you know uh, it's understandable, but if, you, if they're going to travel all that way down, then you'd think they'd at least try and get some atmosphere going yeah. to help it, but the way I can understand why they were apathetic to what was happening.
0: Yeah, yeah. Your blog, okay, you have um, Owen the Saints, the blog, and once again, that's at owenthesaintsblog.wordpress.com. Uh and, and like you said, you started it kind of back in August, um, but where did the idea for you to write about the club on a personal blog come from? I
1: study drama and creative writing at uni and last year it suggested that we start a blog to practice writing craft regularly and the thing with a blog is if you pick a topic that you can write about you don't need to necessarily have to have the sort of inspirational piece of creative writing to be working on you can write about something that's real so it's just to practice on how you write as opposed to what you write so I thought okay well saints play most weeks so most weeks I'd be able to write a blog about them. And, right, I think I aim for about a thousand words every week, talking about every game. And it's just, it was a way for me, it was just to practice my writing craft. But now it's grown into so much more already, and I've only been doing it two months. When, when you, when you first started doing the blog, did it at all change the way that
0: you experience the matches or watch the matches?
1: Yeah. Um, I was a lot more sort of trying to understand. What was happening as opposed to saying oh he's run up he's gone and scored a goal i was trying to understand right this is the formation we're playing is it working i was really sort of being more analytical and so i could talk about what worked and what didn't and not instead of oh it's a great game he scored a great goal does that
0: make you enjoy it any more or less than than when you were just watching i think it
1: does because i think even when it's a dull game you can try and work out why it's a dull game and what's not working and then trying to find solutions in your head and you're just more involved than just being sat there watching us pass it side to side thinking when is this over
0: yeah yeah okay now like you said it, it has grown from just the blog and in, in, in a short time and um you were saying you were telling me earlier before we started uh, recording that you are now doing some stuff for 90 minute is that correct yes um and, and so what what exactly does that involve and and how did
1: that how did that come about So I've got a message on my Twitter page from the head of uh, video production at 90 Minutes saying, would you like to do some freelance work for us? And basically, it's an amazing opportunity because what I get to do is they pay for travel and tickets and I get to go to every Saints game, home and away, if they can get the ticket. And all I have to do is vlog the game for them, send off the clips and then they'll upload it into a video which goes onto their YouTube channel which has 37,000 subscribers I think okay it's just an amazing opportunity because being a uni student on the budget that I am living in the Kingston upon Thames there was no way that with the train travel and ticket prices i would be able to get to anywhere near as many games as I can go to thanks to them so I'm very thankful for the opportunity
0: yeah yeah and so when when that opportunity comes up you you go down to the game you vlog the game and I think I watched was it last week with the Newcastle fan you met up with a Newcastle fan before you guys kind of talked about a prediction you went to your seats yeah. you did you did your individual stuff and uh I remember uh watching last week and you kind of saying like you know my voice is gone uh you know the day after but you seem to catch all of the important kind of moments of the game you caught the goals you caught you know the the fans reaction behind you and it was pretty it was pretty real versus sometimes when you when you see a vlog it's uh, you see the the players kind of in the corner after a goal, or you you know they they get kickoff, they get a few passes, and then that's it. But uh, for your part on that, was it just luck that you happened to get all that, or did you vlog almost the entire game and then just cut down to to what we saw?
1: I tend to sort of hit record as soon as the ball was sort of going anywhere towards box either end. Okay. So I, I do tend to get the reaction to um most main moments in the game. But I've been very fortunate that I've been, I've been fully on attention. of have with the build up to every goal and the goal so far. Um, yeah, no, I've just, I have my phone open the whole time, just ready to hit record. I don't even look at it. I just have to right. hit record, focus on the game. Um, and there's so much stuff that I don't use. I delete a lot of videos, and then I send it off for, to be edited by 90 minute, and they um, use a, don't use a lot of what I send off as well. So okay. what goes into the vlog there, about five minutes is the real sort of core Moments of the game, but I also film a lot of reactions to things that are a bit less impressive and not real talking points from the game. And also, um there's a lot of just what turns out to be facial expressions where I think something's going to happen, then nothing happens. And I I try and do a little bit of analysis as well, but it's very hard when you're in the moment emotionally right. to try and explain what's happening as well.
0: I, I, I guess I have I have two questions on that. um One, what do the people around you say? do they say anything as you're sitting there with your phone open or they like, you know, does anybody make comments about the fact that you have it open the whole time?
1: Um, No one's made any comments. I've had a few strange looks and at first it it is a weird sensation um, to be filming myself. I just look very sort of vain, I suppose. But (laughs) once everyone's into the game and everyone's getting vocal around me, then I'm more confident to be vocal on the camera and they just sort of accept, okay, he's vlogging it. Um, yeah, no, it is, it is a weird thing that every time I sort of get there, I'm like, I'm just going to whip out my phone now and start talking into it and hope the people around me just sort of accept that. Um, but yeah, no, everyone around me has been really supportive of it, so I'm very thankful for that. Uh, you were
0: mentioning the facial expressions uh, where you think something's going to happen. I think sometimes that is, to me, as as a new-ish uh, football fan, that's something that I, I really enjoy about, about the game is that there is it's 90 minutes of tension of sitting on the edge of your seat, waiting for something to happen. And it's all that buildup and then nothing happens and all that buildup. And then, you know, the ball goes out of bounds, all that buildup. And then there's a foul. And then, and then when that finally, when when the goal finally does go in, there is this, just this moment of like euphoria that, that happens. And I'm not sure that that happens in a lot of other, a lot of other sports, you know, even, even in hockey, which the the scores are usually lower too. and, And sometimes baseball as well. But, um, I, I just think that that's a that's a real kind of difference in I guess in football, and then for you to be able to capture that, um, I think it, I think is yeah. fantastic.
1: Oh, it's great to be able to relive it as well. Like I've watched my celebration to yesterday's goals so many times just because <laughs> I know just the I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That feeling when the goal went in, it was crazy. And seeing that, watching it back and knowing how I was feeling at that time, yeah, it's great to reflect on the game as well. Um,
0: now. If people wanted to watch the ninety-minute videos, how would they how would they
1: find those? What's the best way to get in contact with those videos? Okay, so they're all on. Uh, I think it's ninety-minute football YouTube channel. They're they're called fan voices. So I think they have a playlist of fan voice videos of all Premier League games of the weekend, and just find the Southampton games.
0: All right, sounds good. And I'll uh, I'll put a link to those in in the show notes or the the YouTube channel in the show notes just in case uh, somebody wants them there. But I do have one other question before we kind of get into yesterday's match, um, and, it, and it relates to a tweet that you put out um, in late August about about this bingo card. And you kind of said, like, I don't like to moan. So instead, here's a bingo card for Saints FC games uh, to highlight some issues. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, the fewer of them, or less of them will apply soon. Now. As you were writing these, because some of these are hilarious, uh, the Nathan Redwin one I find especially fantastic, it says, Nathan Redmond will have a few shots. Some will be sitters he misses. Others will be selfish instead of creating a goal-scoring opportunity for a striker. Now, as you're writing these, w- at any point, were you like, this is too harsh? I have to I have to back off a little bit and re- redo it?
1: Um, that's an interesting one. My main interest in sort of whenever I'm writing in drama is comedy, okay. and I think the comedy there's a fine line between being funny and being offensive, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe I was too harsh, but I, to me, a lot of people just are sort of swearing mouth and players, tweeting players directly being completely unacceptable. I don't think I was particularly harsh. I was just saying what was happening every game. And that's why I made a bingo yeah. card because yeah. people could have taken that to a game and crossed them off. And too many of them were being <laughs> crossed off. That was where the whole idea came from. Right. I wasn't trying to be harsh. I was just trying to be kind of factual because it's, it was true at the time no no no
0: I, I and i wasn't saying that you were being harsh i was just saying like if i would had i written this like although that nathan Redwin one would have been what i put on the final one there would have been some other things that i would have written that would have had to go away before before the final copy was but, out there
1: yeah
0: but no i th- well i remember seeing this and i it made me laugh like i laughed out loud and i actually remember exactly where i was when i saw it and uh, i thought i think it's great so well well done to you on on that but I I guess, you know, in in terms of 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 um, you know writing about the stuff, how often do you write about every match or just every match you attend and 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 how about how often do you post on the blog?
1: Okay, so it's got a lot more difficult now that I'm back at uni and with a lot of assignments being due in every week. I I've made a promise to myself that I'm going to write about every game, whether I've been to it or not. I mean, if I don't go to it, generally the posts tend to be a lot less as I'm relying on sort of match of the day and Twitter feedback mm-hmm. and sort of my own sort of judgments from that. But if I've been to the game, then I'm determined to write a prolonged piece and analyzing it. Cause I know that's the kind of discipline I need as a writer is to be writing regularly, whether I've got the time for it or not, I need to make the time to write. So that's kind of why I'm operating this blog. Yeah. All right. All right.
0: Um, now, do you, are you feel like we're, uh, we're okay to go ahead and get into the, uh, into the match here.
1: Yeah,
0: sure. I'll be honest with you uh, that yesterday, my both my kids play, played uh, early matches That an eight thirty, an eight o'clock, eight AM start here. And then a, and a 10 AM start. So that means that uh, I think the game started for us at eight 30 AM, uh, nine 30, whatever time it was. But anyway, it basically meant that I missed almost the entire thing. I caught as Tadich was, was in uh, on the West Brom goal and managed to hit the foster, I think in the chest and then get brought down. Um, so, from that point on, I saw the match, but other than that, like you said, I was I'm, I'm relying on on every extended highlight that I could find on every dodgy website uh, known to man. I think I've seen the game broadcast in French, Arabic, uh, a bunch of other things. So we'll see kind of what uh, what my thoughts are and if they're at all correct. But to start, you know, we get the team sheet every week, and. For once, it's a different formation, even on paper. Uh, But what did you make of of the team sheet, of the team selected? Uh, I have specific questions about Van Dyke and Yoshida being selected and then uh, the formation and and stuff like that. So uh, first of all, what did you make of,
1: of the team selection in and of itself? I think it was good that we went to up top and even put that down onto the published formation image. I was sort of uninspired by it because I think after the Newcastle game, everyone was crying out for Bufau to get a start. He he did a lot in that Newcastle game when he came on and more than maybe Redmond or Tadic have done as of late. So I think most of us were kind of expecting him to start. So when, when, he, when Redmond was dropped, that wasn't a surprise. But then when Davis came on, I was like, all right, it's a change and the change is always good when something's not working. But I don't know. I think we just assumed that Buffao was going to start, so it was a bit of a shame when he didn't. Defensively, everyone's calling for Wesley Hoyt to start, and it was harsh that he was dropped as soon as Van Dijk came back. And Van Dijk, I had question marks at the beginning of the game about him starting. Like, I know he's obviously our best player, but I I don't know if he is fully committed to us now. Um, he was sort of responsible. Partly for both the goals we conceded against Newcastle. I don't think Yoshida's done anything to warrant getting dropped. So I would have liked. I would have. Ex- I was almost expecting to see Hoyt and Yoshida at the back. But you know Van Dyke, we did need that physical presence because that's all West Brom the physicality. So we needed a bit of dominance somewhere. And fair play, he right. didn't perform wrong it, yesterday. I guess for me, the
0: the idea that you we went through all of that drama garbage whatever you want to call it with Van Dyke over the summer Um, I don't think he conducted himself particularly well I think it could have been handled better by him I think the club did everything they could to kind of keep it clean in terms of of what was going on and and not releasing a lot of information about it and not choosing not to kind of drag him you know his name through the mud with with the fans which they usually could have done Um, but I think that Van Dyke has to has to play because for me I think anything that we say about him being committed or not, like we're, I think we're just speculating, right? Like we we don't we don't really know how he feels, um. Right, but I yeah. I can't say that for the parts of the game that I saw yesterday, uh, everything from his reaction to the goal to, um, kind of him communicating with other players. I think he he did look like he was more,
1: I don't know, more into it. Like you know, I don't know. And at, well, there was a definite improvement on last week. I mean, even in midweek there was a tweet from him about Saints which was the first time in ages and I think a lot of fans are quick to judge him saying that it was fake and not really meaningful and I don't agree with the booing at all that frustrated me so much booing whenever his name was read out in the team sheet before I that what is that going to achieve he's playing in a Saint shirt he's playing for us (laughs) like booing's not going to achieve anything it was the same when Redmond came on yesterday. There was boos all around the stadium. It's just you need to support your team. If he was here in a Liverpool yeah. show, boo him all you like because the way he conducted himself was awful. But he's a Saints player and we have to yeah, support yeah. them all. And, and I think, you know,
0: would you boo him to his face? You know, would you walk up to him on the street and boo him to his face? I, and I'm not sure. I mean, I sure as hell wouldn't, but. You know, some people might, but, but that's okay. not me. So, uh, but I understand the frustration, um, especially I guess from fans who have, you know, I guess if you grew up watching players like Latissier kind of dedicate themselves and, and say like, no, I'm staying here and I'm doing this, uh, and, and be loyal. And then you have a guy who's here kind of just to put himself in the shop window maybe, and then get moved on. Uh, I can see that that frustrates people. But like you said, I don't, I don't agree with the, with the booing of, of the players at all. So, it, but with with the um with the center back partnership that we chose, I think it was fine. And, and uh, you did mention the the physicality of of West Brom in that. Uh, if you look back on that goal that we conceded to Man United, Hoyt gets bullied by Lukaku, and um so I, so I can't understand maybe the uh you know you have a little bit of a veteran presence in the back. Forster's been a bit shaky lately, so that you you put you put those two back there, and maybe you 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 give everybody a little bit more uh, confidence, and and the composure on the ball is there and stuff like that too. So, uh, I think I, I can understand the selection there. Uh, as we move forward, it was nice to see I think Davis come back into the side and get the captain's armband. I think he does something that we don't necessarily have, um, and then. If necessary, he can always replace either Lamina or Romeu, uh later in the game. We can bring on another attacker. But I think people were frustrated with Tadic starting again. Um, did that at all frustrate or surprise you?
1: Um, Tadic, he's achieved even less than Redmond. He flatters to deceive sometimes. But you know what? Yesterday he was very influential in the game. That was one of his best performances he's had in a long time. So I, he deserved to play yesterday. He really put his all in and he did a really nice interview that I read earlier this week. And he was saying how much he loves living in Southampton and how he wants to, the club to succeed. And it was just nice to, he seems to be loyal. <laughs> we, we need, we shouldn't take that for granted when we look at some other players. He seems committed to the cause and. I'm, I have a lot of respect for Tadic after the and, interview and that he and gave. Correct, you know, he came
0: in with with Kuman. Kuman brought him in, and now Tadic is on his third different yeah. manager. You know, he's no longer the selected guy. He's the guy that was here before. So, um, I think for him to to kind of settle in and, and kind of have to win over three separate managers, even if he doesn't necessarily perform week in week out that has to give us uh, an idea that he, he must be doing something right, whether it's in training, just the way he conducts himself, um, things like that. I think sometimes he's a bit temperamental, and he is streaky, but I think he is one of the most creative players we have, other than, than Bufal, which we'll get to later. Um, uh, and, and then Long yesterday got his 100th appearance for the club. Were you surprised to see him selected, given the lack of goals that
1: he has uh, over over Charlie Austin? No, I was expecting him to start up with Gaviadini because... That's what we did last week, and we scored two goals, so it sort of had solved our sort of scoring issue in that sense. So I wasn't surprised to see him start. He offers, he does offer that tenacity, which I think I don't know. Maybe we might have done better with Charlie Austin because what we were doing for a lot of the game was just crossing it in and it bouncing back out off West Brom, who obviously very physical defensively. So maybe we could have started with Charlie Austin and might have actually scored something from. Crossing it in, but at the time I didn't really think much of Shane Long starting. I I kind of assumed that was what would happen.
0: Okay, Uh, and and without like without Redmond in the side, that's that's really our only source of pace, right? That's the only if we need an out ball, if we need to just launch it down the channel or uh, hoof it up the field, that's the guy who's going to run it down and hopefully create something. And he made a run yesterday, uh, later in the game when Gabby Dini, I think it was off of a header. It, it kind of reminded me of that goal we scored uh, against Liverpool in the, in the cup semifinal Gabby Dini did fantastic to kind of, uh, shield. I think it was Chadley from the ball and, and, and get on it and then long got into the box and then, you know, he missed the chance. But, um, that's the kind of stuff that I, I think that's an exciting moment, you know, that, 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 that oh, happens yeah. so quickly and really we don't have anybody else who's going to get up there and do that. So. Uh, I thought it was good, but, um, let's, let's kind of go not all the way back to the beginning, but kind of from the beginning, um, the, the first real kind of highlight of the match was that Bertram free kick that hit off the post. Ooh. Um, now I, I don't know what to make of that. Do you, do you think, I I think Evans gets a little bit of a touch on it. Um, but other than that, was there anything that kind of leading up to that, that in the build up to that free kick that, that maybe we should talk about?
1: No, that was the first sort of notable moment of the game where anything sort of happened up until then. Uh, we pressed a lot, as we always do. We were sort of on the edge of the box, getting it around, and then West Brom would try and start a attack, but fail miserably, and then we'd get the ball back and try and press. But that was the first real chance of the game that actually led to a proper reaction from the crowd.
0: It seemed like we created several chances uh, oh. right around that time. It seemed like Davis and Bertrand... It seemed like Bertram was pushed really high up the field. Uh, Davis was able to find him and, and and played it into Tadich, who managed to, to kind of hit it right at, at Foster. Uh, it was high, but he hit it right at him. Did it seem like we were really, we were attacking, right? We were trying to create, we weren't sitting back kind of playing it sideways as much?
1: Oh, no, definitely. It reminded me of the um, second half of the Man United game where we were just the dominant team. Chance after chance, we were wasting, but we were getting into positions. We were making great chances for ourselves. I think there was at least three or four that really we could have scored from. Um, we were all over them. I mean, that's, that, that was what they wanted, though. They were happy to just sit and defend. That's what West Brom are about. So, yeah, and we went into half time and they hadn't conceded. So to them, it was all going to plan. They were just absorbing our pressure. And we hadn't made the most of any chances, but we were really knocking on the door right through that first half with so many chances. And, and we kind of talked about it a little bit before, but
0: basically West Brom showed up in an attempt to to get a point, maybe? Like, they didn't really look like they were coming after us uh, very much.
1: Oh, no. they They, so... Negative. I mean, all their substitutions, they were bringing on more defensive players, even once the, the, they hadn't, like, in like 70 minutes, they haven't had a shot on target and they're bringing on more defensive players. Like, it was clear. And the time wasting from Ben Foster as well was painful. I think one of my clips that I recorded was half hour in. I was like, We've had 30 minutes of football and we've um, actually only played about 10 and Ben Foster's wasted about 20. It was, oh my God. And the referee just Did not care. The referee yesterday, he was really reluctant to give anything our way. I mean, there was so much time wasting. And at the end, there was two minutes added on at the first half. It was ridiculous. Uh, So much time wasting. It was frustrating. But they were deploying all the tricks in the book because that's what they wanted. They just wanted to frustrate us and come away with the point.
0: After yesterday's match, I don't like Ben Foster. And I couldn't have really told you much about him. And I still can't. But I just know that after watching him yesterday, watching his his kind of answers, and I think he did a, he made a couple good saves. He made a couple good saves. He seems like he likes to come yeah. for the ball a lot. Like he was was quick to get out on Austin. He was quick to get out on Tadic. Uh, so in that sense, he, I think he did just fine. But I just don't like him. I just don't like the uh, no I don't, no. He, he can go away. Um, <laughs> but uh that that chance that we were talking about with with Long Dini, that happened I think right around the twenty twenty ninth minute half hour mark. And I think Dini does does very well to 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 bring that ball out to to hold Chadley off to allow Long to get there. And I think Long does very well to get into the box and and then puts a fantastic ball across the six yard box. But um, leading up to that, coming off that corner, because I think that sprung from West Brom corner, was there a handball there on Tadic for before that clearance? He seemed like he kind of maybe threw the, the arm up a little bit high, and I think he's trying to get his shoulder on it or something. But w- were were the West Brom fans at that point calling for a handball?
1: Um, I think Talich was sort of very sort of hidden in the sort of gaggle of players there. I don't recall them screaming for it. I mean, I personally didn't notice it, but I was sort of the wrong side of him to to have seen it. But I don't recall it being such a big deal at the time in the stadium.
0: I I only asked that because it showed up on every replay in every language that I oh yeah that I that I that I watched. So it, I that's that's why I'm asking. But you know, it was it seemed like. Maybe both teams had a had a, had a had a shot like that. Um, but you know, the ref doesn't see it, whatever. It's not given. Um, but I think that Tony Pulis, I think in his, his post-match press conference was, was not complimentary uh, to our, to our win. And, and I think had we scored from that, I think he's got another real, you know, bone to pick with, with the refereeing in terms of they didn't get that call. They didn't get the, the call on the, on the ball goal. There was a, maybe possibly a foul uh, just before, before got the ball, but, um, and I don't really, like we said earlier, I don't really think West Brom showed up attempting to win. I think they showed up attempting just not to lose and it backfired. And we experienced that last year too. Um, yeah. but, uh, from the first half, we seem to have the much better of the chances. We seem to be, uh, dominating possession. We seem to be uh, on the front foot and attacking much more, uh, kind of like you said in the, in the, in the second half, when we've gone behind in games, we've tended to to go after teams a little bit more. It seemed like we were doing that right from the beginning today or or yesterday, uh, and I think that is is something positive. But still, at, at halftime, you know, all the possession and all that stuff's being said, it's still zero zero, right? Um, yeah. What what was the atmosphere like at halftime? Uh, were the fans generally entertained? Were they were they uh, upset with the fact that it was still zero zero?
1: Um, for the first time in a long time, there was no. Booze towards the result I mean I've been at a lot of home games where we haven't played well in the first half and there's been booze at half time but no we were very it was a very encouraging first half performance I think yes we were frustrated to have not capitalized on any one of those chances that we made for ourselves but we were making them we're really going for it and we couldn't fault their effort so I wouldn't say we were confident because this is what everyone was expecting sort of and they'll know us getting frustrated and then West Brom just soaking up the pressure and not really attacking themselves, just defending. So this is what we're expecting, but it was, it was encouraging for us. So yeah, we were just hoping that we have a moment of magic in the second half.
0: All right. All right. We created a bunch of chances, uh, in the second half or or quite a few chances. I'm going to say a bunch, but quite a few, um, I think West Brom's best chance was, was J Rod goes through. He makes a fantastically timed run. Um and he goes through and then that shot wasn't even in wasn't even close. But at any point were you nervous about us losing the game versus just
1: getting a draw? At that particular moment, yes, because he was through on goal and we've obviously seen in the past what he can be capable of. But I think after after that chance went worldwide we were like, okay, they're offering nothing um dangerous to us uh, and until towards the end West Brom started growing into the game towards the end just before we scored so i think there was it got a bit nervy right towards the end but for the majority of the game it was us doing the attacking if anyone was going to score it was be us but we just didn't know if we actually would i think most of us just assumed especially at half time and then for most of the second half that this would just be another 0-0 okay
0: a couple uh, of moments of that kind of made me hold my breath even on the replay was that, uh, Forster kind of coming in for that cross or that ball into the box. I think it was a free kick, dropped it, just bundled it. <laughs> it was like, it was like just, just somebody, somebody get it out of there. You know, it was like watching my son's, uh, yeah, my, my son's team. Uh, I love them, but they always seem to play if a kid's hurt or can't run or whatever, you know, just put him in goal. And it's like, that's really, at his age, it's probably not the best, you know, maybe, maybe if you're sick, you just don't play. Like maybe you just stay home instead of, uh, attempting to, to not catch the ball and watch it go off people's faces and things like that. But I don't know. I, I saw that. It was just like, man, please catch the ball. You get like, you have one job and <laughs> it's catch the ball. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Anybody get on him about that or would everybody kind of just let it go and, and move on? And oh,
1: there was a lot of sort of screaming towards him because it was just such a simple ball and then for it to slip. And then I just have this image in my head of him being sort of horizontal, sort of as if he was like right. drowning in people's feet. That's what it looked like. Just scrabbling for the ball whilst the ball just bouncing around. Oh, it was, that was a heart attack moment. But I remember I was vlogging at the time. I don't think it made the final edit, but I was just there sort of frozen face. Like, what am I watching? Is this, the, <laughs> it, is this actually happening? Yeah. All right. And then it seemed like almost uh
0: the next real moment of note was, uh, was Tadic going, down in the box after going through on goal um and i forget who plays him the ball but it's 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 a well worked kind of move and he's got plenty of space but foster comes out kind of right away tadic hits him i think in the chest uh, with the ball and then foster kind of grabs his leg and then i think tadic he goes down but i think he sells it too much is that i mean was that did that happen in front
1: of you or is that on the opposite end of the of, of the pitch so from you guys that was over end of the pitch um so we're all screaming for it but Looking back, I don't know, Tadic has a reputation for whenever there's any slightest contact, or not even contact, he does have a reputation for going down very easily, and I think that uh, played against him yesterday because he was sort of grabbing his foot. So if he made less of it and didn't have a history of making a meal of everything and even diving, then I've seen refs give it, but I'm not going to argue against it when it's Tadic and he makes a meal of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I I think though that I think it's part of the game. Like it, that is part of what you have to do as a, as an attacking player. It, it, I think uh I hear people talk about it all the time. If you're, if you feel contact and you realize I'm not getting to that ball before the defender gets there, I'm going down. And then yeah. if you get the penalty, great. If not, probably nothing else is going to come from that chance anyway, because since he, since he had already missed, you know, he had missed the best shot he was going to get in that moment. So I see that, but I just think, you know, maybe you can give him some acting lessons because he he made it, it was too dramatic. Um, you know, but that, that's another thing, but, but Foster did definitely put his hand on his leg. And I think Foster was trying to, to yank him back a little bit and just missed, you know, I don't think, I don't think Foster got, I think if Foster could have gotten a better grip on his leg, he would have. Um, and I think he was taking a chance there, but it, but it didn't happen after that kind of, it seemed like West Brom was kind of growing into it, uh, coming off of that. And I think maybe the, the dive, if you want to call it that, by kind of maybe inspired them a little bit but then we have kind of that that moment of magic uh the the yeah. NBC reporter here uh or, or a guy calling the game here said it was a moment of magic from the Moroccan i mean i'm sure everybody's seen it a thousand times but it was just such a fantastic goal uh, a brilliant piece of individual skill which worries me a little bit because we're not necessarily creating we're not scoring from chances that the whole team kind of creates we're uh we're creating chances or we're we're relying on people's moments of individual brilliance but at the same time, when you have, uh, you know, two banks of four or a bank of four and a bank of five, um, maybe you need that moment of individual brilliance. So we don't really have that in the squad up until this, until now. So what, what was, what was it like watching that, that run up,
1: up to that goal? So he, he starts um, near me and uh, running towards the other end of the goal, and I start recording. I'm like, <laughs> Buffao's mugging off West Brom here. Oh, <laughs> He's still going. He's he's still going. Oh my god. Oh my god. Shoot! And then he actually scored. It went from being sort of like just tricks and mugging people off and giving us a bit of entertainment to like, okay, he's actually he's actually going forward. It. He's still going. He's still he's through on goal. here. Oh oh. He's shot. He's got what? How has this just happened? Yeah. That I managed to film my reaction to all of it because at the first day I was just like, oh, I love this guy. He, yeah. he can just mucks everyone right off, and then when he's sort of getting closer to the goal, it's like, oh, he's still going.
0: Like, oh, this is there. There's there is a chance. At at what point? Because uh, cause for me, there was there was the initial when he got the ball and kind of seemed to fight off the defender. And I think last year he goes down right there. Last year, uh, I think he got bullied off the ball, and I think he's made an improvement this year in terms of uh, one being more willing to come back and, and track back and help on defense, which he didn't do very well last year. Too, and I think he's gotten stronger uh, yeah. and, and has has definitely kind of I don't want to say toughened up, but realized that in this league you're not always going to get the call and people are going to bully you off the ball a little bit. Um, so he holds he holds the ball there. Uh, he turns to the defender. Uh, at what point did you realize or think like he could actually score?
1: I think it was about when he was halfway into West Brom's half because then there was just the um, defenders remaining. And then two clattered into each other and all the space. He was just finding all the space for himself. And then there was literally then the defenders left and it's like, well, he's just got past half a team back there. He's, he can find a way past them in this moment. Um, and he did. He, he slotted it past them and it was such a cool finish considering the intensity of the run and the everything, the skill that was needed to make that run to just then slot it home. I love that goal. Yeah. I, I can't stop watching it. Um,
0: And people were putting up polls and stuff about, you know, which goal is better. It was the one he scored in the cup run last year. It was, I think he scored against, he was Middlesbrough or somebody else. Um, But for me, this is, this is better than any, any ball that he picks out of the sky and hits, you know, one touch and hits it because this shows this, this kind of embodies all of the skill that he has, you know, the speed, uh, the strength that he has kind of seemed to acquire recently, uh, the dribbling, the elusiveness, and then the ability to, to not just smash it into, you know, the middle of the stands, which I was what I think most of us would do in that situation because we'd be so hyped up on, on what had just happened. So I think that goal for me is is my favorite goal of his and, and uh I, I don't know, I think it's the probably the best goal that I've seen from him or, or from a lot of people uh recently. Um a different kind of impressive than when somebody hits it from, from 35 or 40 yards on the volley, you know, but um, yeah. right. so, so for me, I, I, I don't know. I love that, but um, I think we have to talk about uh, just a few more kind of, kind of things. And, and one of those being his reaction or his celebration to yeah. the goal, obviously he's frustrated from lack of play. I think the fans expect him to play. Um, I think we all expected him to start, especially after coming on last week and playing well, given that Redmond and Tadic maybe haven't performed. Um, but was anything made at the, in that moment, was anything made of his reaction to run towards the, the Pellegrino and, and do what he did? Uh,
1: all the people that I was around, we didn't notice. We were too busy sort of going crazy ourselves, celebrating, jumping around, sort of, have we just witnessed this? The, at the time... I didn't even realise the what, what what he was doing in his celebration. And I'm not sure how I feel about his celebration. I can't make my mind up because I'm of two minds. It's, he's, he's showing his, how passionate he is. The guy wants to succeed here and play, and that we can only applaud. But how Pellegrino's reacted to it. Is it disrespectful to Pellegrino to sort of do that in front of 30,000 people and live on TV around the world? I don't know. But in that moment I just think it was, he deserves to be playing. A lot of fans are saying he deserves to be playing. And then in the interview afterwards as well, um Pellegrino was sort of very dismissive of Buffal, what he what he brings to the team and was saying that it's not 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 explicitly saying it, but we get the impression that it's not he's not guaranteed to start in next week. So I think there's some sort of issue between Buffal and Pellegrino. And I don't know whether that's only going to have made it worse, which would be a shame because us fans, we want Buffar, we want to see him doing his thing. I mean, even in the ten minutes he was on, he created three sort of openings that goal, and then he obviously found Redmond when Redmond unfortunately fell over, but that was Redmond in face, and then he found Charlie Austin as well, who hit the post. So like he did so much in that ten minutes, he can. We I think he if he needs to get a run of games and can really influence it, but at the moment Pellegrino doesn't seem to want to take him and even wasn't very, even very complimentary of him in the post-match interview.
0: I don't know. I, I, I agree with you on on a lot of that and that that's passion that he's showing he wants to play, but I've always been in my time playing, playing sports and things like that. I was, I mean, I would get in my teammates face. I would, I once had to be restrained by a coach from uh, trying to go after an umpire. Like I, I've had some instances where I've, I, I, I like, I like intensity, and things like that, but I don't think I've ever gone to a coach and and done anything like that. But at the same time, it's, it's, you know, he's saying like, you know, I'm put me in, I'm doing this. This is, this is what, you know, this is what I bring to the team. (laughs) Then again, I'm not sure. I I appreciate him tracking back, you know, 50, 60 yards to find, to find Pellegrino to do that, you know, like maybe that is not uh, the right way to do it. And like you said, it's probably not going to help his chances of getting back in the team. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to to watch that play out. And I I also think that maybe, you know, the media is going to latch onto this and make it a bigger deal than it really is. You know, I, there's, there's a real chance that after all of this has gone, they're going to, you know, whether they go back and do the recovery thing today, have tomorrow off, they will talk, they will probably sort it out. And it could just be that there's a personality conflict there and those things happen. But, um, I am not sure anybody's at fault for for anything and and they'll they'll get it figured out. I I think I hope, but that's all that's all I can do. But I don't know. I, I thought that uh even in what you mentioned uh, before that, Redmond Buffalo and Austin all involved in in chances created late in the game, it shows I maybe maybe one or two things and I don't like to make things black or white, but does it show that either the the manager made the correct substitutions in terms of all the substitutions had an impact or was it more along the lines of those players should have been starting and had the chance to influence the game more?
1: We definitely made the right substitutions. I personally would have liked to have seen them come on earlier than, uh, Bufau and Austin was on 80 minutes or something, which at the time I was thinking, again, it's just not long enough for them to have a telling contribution on this game. I mean, for once I was wrong, and Buel had that moment of magic and also did a lot of other stuff in that time. I would have liked to have seen him come on earlier, but you've got a hand into Pellegrino his substitution worked
0: now uh kind of kind of moving towards uh, the end of the match. is there anything that kind of stood out to you that we maybe need to talk about that we haven't talked about yet?
1: I don't think so. I think obviously. The the one big talking point of the game and what I'm assuming the analysis was all about on BT Sport afterwards was uh, the goal, the moment of magic. Other than that, it was uh, eight, up until then it had been 85 minutes of us huffing and puffing and not a lot coming our way, and West Brom just sit, sitting happy and defending. Like the moment of magic was the real sort of story from the game. Yeah, I, I
0: think I think that's true. And, and and I I don't know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it all day. I think it's just fantastic, and I think my favorite part is actually when he makes the the two defenders. He, I, I think I like the fact that he made, he he forced himself to stay up and fight the guy off initially, and then the fact that that guy's trying to chase him down and he causes him to run into another defender. I just think that's fantastic. Like that was just great. Right. Um. And then at that point, I think is when I, I mean, I yelled and was screamed and and everything else, and that's just what happens. But um, kind of coming out of the match. We have you know, nine matches played, three wins, three draws, three losses, 12 points, still only eight goals scored, and that's only our third goal from open play, uh, and yeah. it's only our second player to score from open play, and I think that says something, but we're sitting mid table. You know, we're one win away from going as high as fifth, depending on how results go, uh, but we're also one loss away from, from you know, dropping all the way down to 14th, uh, depending on how things go. So we're still kind of, it's early, and, and there are lots of things that can happen but I think we we're still going to have to uh to be careful in terms of of when we go uh into our next couple of matches and we have winnable matches Brighton and Burnley not easy by any means necessarily but definitely going to be we're expecting to win those matches before the next international break and then we come back and and the the schedule toughens up quite a bit you know we go on that run of of having to play teams like Liverpool and Everton which maybe not as tough but the yeah I always expect them to be better uh and then Man City things like that so I don't know, not not out of the woods yet, but I think definitely yesterday is a better performance um, on the whole than we've seen all season, uh, I, I think both from the manager and from the players on the field. And I, I would assume that you would agree with
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I just think now we need to use this, build our confidence, take a lot from that game, and definitely use it in our next two to get try and get maximum points from those games so that we're in a good position going into the tougher run of fixtures afterwards.
0: Um, we just have a few, uh, two listener questions that I wanted to go over. Um, so just a few listener questions to, to kind of touch on, uh, Christian Candler, who is at Candler ability, uh, says thoughts on James Ward Prowse, not being able to get any minutes under Pellegrino. He's largely been absent. He played midweek or early in the week, uh, for the U23s and he, he did well. Yeah. Uh, he scored a free kick, did some other things, but, um, are we risking, uh, with the formation we're playing and things like that, not playing the younger players, i uh, I think this goes along with, with Hoyt not coming in. Um, you have to think that Hoyt and, and, and Stevens are going to be the center backs of, of the future for us. Um, yeah. You have to think guys like James Ward-Prowse are going to replace guys like Davis. Worrying to you that he, that James Ward-Prowse not getting in the team, or you think he just has to to
1: keep fighting and, and try to get in there? Mm, I don't know, because I, I don't really know where he would fit at the moment. Because now we've got Romeo and Lamina sitting deeper, but taking it in terms of sort of push on ahead so sort of attacking through the middle and then obviously we've got our attackers out wide that we need to sort of pace and trickery that I'm not sure that Ward-Prowse has got I mean I love him as a player but I just don't know where he would fit in comfortably in the team that we're playing at the moment
0: and I think part of it is we don't know what his best position is
1: exactly you know
0: he is he a central midfielder is he a guy that that can play on the wing and I think he is really really good at a lot of things but not he doesn't quite have the pace, I think, to to play on the wing. He maybe is not strong enough. You know, he's not nearly as strong as Lamina is in terms of being able to 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 play in the central uh, in the center of the park. But at the same time, he can do. And I don't want to I don't want to build him up too much. But like, he seems like he would need to play like almost like a, a Cesc Fabregas kind of role. Allow him to sit deep, but also distribute the ball and not maybe be expected to to put in as much work defensively. And like you said, we don't have that in the system we're playing. Um, and I think, you know, getting to to the next thing, uh, with that partnership between Romeo and Lamina, uh, it seemed less like they were sitting to together deep in that Romeo was sitting, Lamina was pushing forward. And this comes from, from Shannon Smith, who's at Shannon Smith too on, on Twitter. And he kind of pointed out that it seemed like they were less of a central pairing and more kind of worked with Lamina pushing forward and Romeo holding, if anything, Van Dyke kind of pushing slightly more forward. Either next to Romeo or just behind Romeo while Yoshida was behind him. Did, did you guys notice that uh, sitting there in the, in the park? Or is that are we just building up because the the TV shows us here in the states?
1: Oh well, no, I definitely noticed everyone sort of pushing further ahead. But I'd say that was to get sort of manpower further forward because West Brom just didn't really trouble us defensively. So there's no point wasting having more players sort of going further forward. So that we've got more players for the ball to fall to and pass around and keep possession, try and spread West Brom apart, try and open them up. The more people we've got the more opportunities we can make for ourselves. So I think it's more to do with the fact that there wasn't a lot of pressure on us defensively. So we were able to keep control at the back whilst also being pushing up further. And I, I think that pretty
0: much does the, the game in terms of, Of what we had and and I think we covered most of the major points but is there anything else that you I know I asked you already but anything that kind of comes to mind that you would want to to mention before we
1: wrap it up I don't think so I'm just I'm a lot more enthusiastic now after yesterday's game um going to the next few I think we can really obviously Brighton had a good result Friday night so it'll be a tough game local derby but I think everyone's going to be in high spirits after that we needed that moment of magic to try and sort of oh wow We've just won a game. We've got the three points and we've just created something special. Let's go on and really achieve a lot now. I think that was what we've been crying out for for the whole season. It's just something that will maybe surprise us, but then think, okay, we're capable. Let's just go on and really have the confidence to put teams under pressure now and take our chances. I think that's going to be the season turning game yesterday. Okay.
0: All right. I, I hope so. And, uh, but Before I let you go, we, we we talked a little bit about you doing both drama and creative writing i've been going through your facebook feed like almost stalkerish but i I apologize um but uh, i see that you've played uh you know lead roles or leading-ish roles in in a couple things if you had to pick uh, a player uh, on on the team to to if you if you were going to cast say cinderella which you were in who gets the leading roles obviously besides maybe cinderella or if you have to make somebody cinderella i don't care
1: Okay, so I played, um, Buttons when I did it. The sort of friendzone, jokey, comedic character. And I would, I'd give that to Maya Yoshida. Everyone loves him. He's a lovable character. He's the underdog and everyone wants him to succeed. And I think that's sort of <laughs> Buttons in Cinderella. Ugly Sisters. Um, I'd give it Romeo and Lamina. They have a good little partnership now. And I think they'd enjoy being the sort of physical ugly sisters. Okay. Yeah. All right yeah
0: and, and then, if you were going to you know have to do I don't know how much improv kind of stuff you guys do, but if you had to pick it a, a kind of a, a partner to go up and act out any scene doesn't matter what what it is with uh who on the team or on the staff, maybe not even a, a player, who would you pick to kind of do that with?
1: Hmm. Charlie Austin, I think he'd be up for a laugh. I think he'd be up for anything open to anything. I think he'd be he'd throw himself into it just for a bit of fun. He
0: comes up a, a as a, a fairly likable guy always up for a a good, a good time. Like you said, that pretty much does it for me. I just wanted to ask you uh, about that. I think it's, uh, it's always interesting to see kind of what people do and are into and, and kind of what drives them and makes them, uh, smile and, and, and work hard. So I think it's, you know, the, the, the writing, the acting, I think it's all, it's all great. And uh, I, I wish you the best of luck in, uh, moving forward and good luck in university and all that stuff.
1: Thank you. Thanks.
0: All right. Uh, well, hopefully we'll, we'll do this again at some point. And I hope that uh, your time on 90 minutes continues to go well. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.
1: Okay, cool. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Once again, that was my conversation with Owen Hawes. You can find more from him on Twitter at Owen underscore the saints, and you can get his writing at Owen, the saints blog.wordpress.com. In addition to writing and tweeting there, you can find him on the 90 minute football YouTube channel. The links to his latest fan voice video are in the show notes below, as well as links to the 90 minute football YouTube channel and the 90 minute football website. If you haven't checked it out worth, worth doing, uh, worth following along as Owen, uh, kind of catalogs and vlogs, um, much of the season, as many a games as he can get to, uh, for them. So, uh, thanks to Owen for taking the time out away from all of that, uh, and his studies and his family to, to join me and us and talk to us about, about the, about vlogging and about saints in general. The three points we got this weekend against West Brom were largely due to the moment of individual brilliance from Sophie and Buffal and coming on as a sub, coming into a match, into a side that, that needed life and needed fresh air. I think he provided both, And I think that on that play in particular, he showed both his passion, his elusiveness, his newly found strength that I don't believe he had last year, um, his deafness, the touch that he had was remarkable. The finish was clinical. And despite all that, he's probably unlikely to start next week, whether it's for his reaction and the celebration and the way he went towards the manager to do that, whether it's the fact that, uh, as Adam Leach pointed out, next week's matchup. The tactical setup is probably going to be different than something that allows for us to have Bufal on the field. Um, So it's more than likely that he will start on the bench, despite being great when on the pitch the last two or three appearances. But no matter what you make of that, um, the goal that he had, I think is worth looking at one more time. And although you can't see the calls that were made on both radio and on TV, I think really do kind of show you how great that goal was and what uh, just the shock and the awe in people's voices, uh, as they call it, I think are, are worth listening to. So to, to end the podcast this week, we're going to go through, we're going to listen to some of those, both from all the way back from the BBC to, to sky, to NBC, uh, to some French station I've never heard of. So, um, we're going to start though with the BBC. And this one is especially, um, comical because the announcer, uh, I don't know who it is, but he calls Buffal Lamina for much of the run. We pick this up about the time that Buffal turns and makes his way towards uh, the halfway line and into West Brom territory.
1: Well, Lamina's done well to get away from the and Off he goes. Gabby adini ahead of him. He might go all the way here. Lamina. There's some run. Still Lamina. Look at that. Oh!
0: I think you can hear the just the raw excitement in his voice and you can hear it building from him uh, the entire time the the kind of as he gets closer that he he may go all the way he may do this he and then when he does it uh, you can hear the crowd you can hear it all uh, I think it's just a fantastic uh, example of, of exactly kind of what that goal how that goal struck everybody there so let's go ahead and take a listen to the French call now I don't speak French uh, I don't think you need to necessarily speak the language to uh, have an idea of, of, of where he is when, when making the run in, in, in relation to the, the words that are being spoken uh, oh, wow. by the comments.
1: Well, I've said it to you, I... well, I'm afraid that there are a lot of telespectators that say fair sport. I was afraid peur of that, That's the case. but it's okay. But there's a guy who will perhaps uh, uh, put a little bit of the feud, it's Sofia Boufal. It's Sofia Boufal. the talent of Sophia Incroyable, incroyable action de Sofiane Bouffal. Il est parti de sa moitié de terrain sur le fleur Il a ralé les kilomètres. Et il fallait devenir ça dans une rencontre totalement privée de spectacle et de pour l'instant. En quel but? Alors, j'ai pas vu tous les buts euh, de la saison pour l'instant. Mais pour moi, c'est le but de la gai. Regarde...
0: Olivier <inaudible> said something about the fact that he likes croissants and also that Sofiane Boufal is fantastic. Other than that, I got nothing out of it. Uh, other than he's very excited. And I think the goal, once again, it just shows what that goal was. Um, now also Adam Blackmore had the call on the BBC radio, Solent, um, always streamed live on the saints, uh, website. So let's go ahead and jump to, to his call before we get back to, to the TV call. So this is a radio call. And once again, this is Adam Blackmore.
1: Boufal breaks. He could win turns, us the game. Does brilliantly. Goes past three players. Still going. Boufal looks for help. Boufal shot. Oh my word!
0: And I don't think you have to say anything about that clip. That is exactly what it sounds like. It, it when that ball went in. When he made that run. Oh my word! Uh, I thought that was fantastic, and I always enjoy uh, Adam's commentary, any midweek game uh, because I am at work during those uh, those those night games. I do enjoy listening to to Adam uh, give the call on the BBC Radio Solent. Let's go ahead now and check out the call that was on NBC here in the United States with Arlo White uh, giving the call. Um, listen to his reaction as Buffal goes on this run.
1: Buffalo. spins away from trouble. Now approaches Dawson. He skips by him. Two West Brom players collide. What a goal this would be. Buffal! Oh, I say! What a goal by Sofia Buffal!
0: Definitely what a goal it was. What a fantastic just piece of of individual brilliance for him. And we have one more uh, clip. This is no announcer. This is just the sound of the crowd isolated just uh, moments before he scores. And the reason I'm throwing this one in there is because I think that for so much of the fan base, we're calling out for an effort like this, for some passion like this, for a goal like this, something to get excited about, something to start our season off, something that we can latch to, that we can look back on and say, this is, this is what we can remember, something we can remember uh, about the season. Because I think large parts of the season have been forgettable. Um, nine games in, Uh, I think that, you know, maybe unfairly we're being harsh on the manager, but, uh, in fairness, we haven't had a whole lot to be super excited about. Um, and so, uh, I think that you can hear the, I don't want to say the relief, but you can hear the excitement in the crowd. Um, and to me, this is really what, really what being a fan is all about. And every time that I listen to this clip, I get goosebumps as I kind of just imagine, uh, being there and seeing it. And, uh, I, I hope you do too. And I've probably built it up so much now that it won't mean anything. And half of you will shut this off, but I hope you're still listening. And, uh, here it is. that is it that does it for the show i have goosebumps now uh playing it back one more time and i hope you do too uh i know the sound quality on some of those is not the greatest Uh, i just did uh, the best i could but i hope that you enjoyed it please consider leaving some feedback whether it's uh, on twitter facebook sending an email uh leaving a review on itunes all of those things help very much um iTunes reviews do help very much. They help other people find the show. It makes it so that when people are looking for, uh, shows about Southampton or about soccer in general or football, iTunes looks at it and say, Hey, this is getting good reviews. Uh, why don't you maybe consider this? And and so that helps other people find out of the show. And that's really kind of what we want. So, um, if you would do that, that would be very helpful. Uh, if not, Just send us a note, whether it's privately or publicly on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, You can get in touch with us at SFC D-E-L-L underscore I-V-E-R-Y on Twitter and at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC Delivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address, uh, but hearing from you at any point would be great. Thank you to everybody who's sending questions. Uh, Thank you to everybody who has been supportive. We really appreciate it. Uh, We'll be back next week with another show. Uh, Hopefully we'll have another three points and a few goals to talk about, but no matter what, until then, remember that together, we march on.